Who's excited to be in God's house today? I am. I'm going to tell you what. The enemy did not want this to happen, man. I'm just, as many times as I've done this and taught about revelation and end times and all that sort of stuff, every single time the enemy pulls out all kind of stops. I mean, all kind of things. If I had time, I would tell you everything that he did, but I, I, just, I just want you to understand something. When you pray for your pastor, Pastor Buck and Amy, first of all, I just I want to give them honor this morning uh, for them to trust me in the pulpit today. That's not an easy thing to do for a pastor, but I just want to give honor to our senior pastor and his wife, Pastor Buck and Amy. I mean, they're amazing. Right? But it, it just reminds me, you've got to, you've got to pray every single day. If they're your pastors, you've got to pray for your pastors every day. It's not easy to get up here and give you a message every week. The enemy fights hard. He gets personal. But there's always a comma, and it's God. Always. So while you guys and girls were praying for my family this week as we were going to give the message, while you were praying, I'm just telling you this is how it works. Satan was trying to wipe us out. Satan tried to take my son from us yesterday morning. Children's Hospital gave him all clear. We spent the weekend moving. U-Haul gave our truck away. 26 feet. You know what they gave us? 10 feet. I love you, U-Haul. Maybe you'll sponsor us next. <laughs> but the thing is, I thought, well, you know what? 10 feet's better than no feet, Lord. Thank you. You must know something. I don't know. My back hurts. Everything hurts. I mean, so many things. And we can all attest to that, that Satan fights so hard sometimes against our family. Why? Because when the word is about to go out, when your destiny is about to be fulfilled, when God is about to do a breakthrough in your life on a personal basis, on a personal level, guess what? All hell's breaking loose, but in the background, if you're a child of the king, somehow there's peace. Somehow there's a quietness about your spirit. When everything around you seems to be going crazy and you ask the question, what is next? God says, don't worry, I got you. Amen? So as we begin and as we talk about end times in our second week here, as we talk about this, I just want you all to understand something. End times conversations from a pulpit situation are designed and are supposed to be all about an uplifting moment, all about creating peace, all about creating joy. When everything around you is just, is, is just falling apart, when everything around you just is not making sense, end times conversation is not supposed to scare you. It's supposed to give you joy. It's supposed to give you peace. It's supposed to give you assurance that as a believer, as a spirit-filled, born-again Christian, you know where you're going. You know that all of the things that are happening, they're written already. And so when they happen, it's like, 
that's no big deal. And then somebody that doesn't know Jesus is like, what do you mean, JR? It's not a big deal. It doesn't, how, don't you see the gas? Don't you see everything? Yeah, I do, but it's written. It's written. So there's this crazy peace that happens. And I love it. Before I go any further, a pastor did want me to remind you. There's about two spots left for the Israel trip. If you want to go to Israel, it's an incredible deal with an incredible guide. Incredible first-class accommodations. Get on the website and snatch up those two leftover spaces. Amen? So, last week, was anybody here last week? Was anybody blessed by Pastor Buck's message about the rapture? Did you learn something? Were you here this past Wednesday? Are you going to come next Wednesday, this coming Wednesday? Good, because this coming Wednesday is going to be fantastic too. We're going to get into deeper, a deeper word and deeper explanation about what we're going to talk about here this morning, and I can't wait to do that with you. So the question that we have, great, now the rapture is going to happen. Fantastic. Now I'm a, a, I'm a Christian and I'm in heaven. What's next? Now what? What's going on while I'm in heaven? What are we doing when we get there? Those are all great questions, right? Sometimes we don't think about those types of questions. But that's, that's what we're going to talk about. What is going on? What's next? So listen to what God's Word says in 2 Corinthians 5.10. Speaking of Christians only in context, I want you to get this this morning. One of our key verses. And, and I'm going to say, I'm going I'm to give you these verses. I'm going to give them to you a couple times. I'm going to repeat a couple of things because I just want to stay at a certain level this morning. But I want to give you this truth, and I don't want you to walk out of here today the same way that you came in. I want you to walk out of here today knowing for sure where you're going and what judgment seat you're going to be at and what they mean. So let's look at this. 2 Corinthians 5.10, this is out of the ESV, says this, For we must, I'm going to stop there. It's okay that we stop when we read the word, okay? Listen, I'm a, I'm a, I love to teach the word like this. So for we must, there's no option. No option. For we must all appear. You know what that tells me? It's not a Zoom call. We must, no option, all appear in person before the judgment seat of Christ. Remember, we're talking about born-again Christians here, period, the church. That's it, okay? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one, so when we see the words each one, you know, this is what this means. Each one, they are and I, we don't get to stand together. Each one separate. You, individually, not with your spouse, not with your family, not with your kids, not with anybody. Just you will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each one may receive, wait a minute, I'm getting something? That's what it says. What is due, hold on a second, I'm, I mean, you know what I've done in my life? I know what is due to me. I know I've messed up pretty good. What is due to me? For what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. The judgment seat of Christ. When we are raptured home, safely in heaven, with Jesus, somebody give God a shout, 
and all our loved ones and fellow believers are there with us from the church age. That's the age we live in right now. The next stage is the tribulation. We won't be there for that. Individual judgment, when the rapture takes place, individual judgment begins in heaven while the tribulation for seven years is happening on earth. That's what we're doing next. So you're telling me that it's going to take seven years for God to dole out all the rewards for what I've done in the body, good and evil? Yep. That's what the Bible says. So I'm going to purpose, purposefully, like I said, repeat some of these scriptures, but I want, us to, I want to answer some questions this morning. What is the judgment seat of Christ? Who's it for? Who's being judged? We've kind of a- answered that a little bit already. Who's doing the judging? That's a, that's a great one. What's being judged? What will, be, what will the outcome be? If you get here on Wednesday, this coming week, you're going to learn some outcomes. And can I affect that outcome today? Again, if you get here, I'm going to keep plugging. It's going to be a commercial all morning Wednesday. We're going to talk about this. Can you affect the outcome of the judgment seat of Christ right now? You better believe it. It's going to be fantastic. So let's pray. Father, we are grateful to be in your house this morning. We're excited, Lord Jesus, to learn about what's next. We're excited, Father, for what you're about to do here this morning. And Lord Jesus, I know that this is a breeding ground for miracles, Lord. Show us that you are Lord. Show us that you are King of Kings, Father. This is your house. This is your time. Lord, we came here, Lord Jesus, to experience you, Father. And we are so grateful that we get to be here for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. So a lot of us, we we grew up in a lot of different church environments. If we surveyed the room, I guarantee you that we have a lot of people from all kind of denominations, from all kind of backgrounds, and from all kind of walks of life, right? Right? So if that's the case, most likely we have all been taught, right or wrong, we've all been taught a lot of doctrinal things about judgment. We've all been talked about, we've all been told things that probably aren't biblically accurate, right? Right? I know as a kid, I had to unlearn some stuff when I got smart because I became an adult. So I had to unlearn some things. And the more you study the Word of God, the more things you're going to uncover that, you know what, I wasn't thinking correctly. So here's a little hint. When you encounter something in God's Word and it's like, man, that's not how I thought it was, just assume that you're wrong. That's the easiest thing to do. Just assume that you're wrong and make the adjustment. That's it's, and then blessing comes. I'm going to get off topic. That's why I got notes. So, some things that I've thought about when, when it comes to the judgment of God. It's, it's this celestial courtroom somewhere in the stars. And so we think of judgment as like a courtroom, right? We got Judge Judy sitting there, and then we got the, the jury over here, and we got the defendant, and we got all these different things. That's not God's judgment at all. That's not how the Bible describes it. Or the world would line up in a single file line and it would just be like, I'm just waiting for mine. Right? And I don't even know what, what is mine. I don't even know what kind of judgment I'm getting. I don't even know what's going to happen. That's not what the Bible says. Everyone's name would be called out. Everyone's name would be called out and it'd be like the scales of justice. And it was like, you know, listen, I think I've done enough good. I think I've done enough. I mean, wow, this one was pretty bad. That was a heavy one. So I may have, I, but, I, but I helped that lady across the street twice. <laughs> so it's got to weigh something. 
right? It's got to count for something, but that's not God's judgment at all. And then there's these doors, maybe, that are marked heaven and marked hell. And if I've done enough good, well, then maybe God will be like, pat me on the head, give me a cookie, and say, go into the heaven door. But that's not his judgment. My wife and I went uh, for a I don't remember where it was, but a couple of years we went to this place, uh, this, this haunted house. I don't remember what it was called, right? But you would, what is it? Hell house. Perfect, right? So, <laughs> yeah. So it's Halloween, and we go to Hell House, and it's, you know, it scares, it's designed, I mean, the slogan was to scare the hell out of you, right? So you go through this thing, and man, they did a great job doing so. They did a great job with just the whole biblical setup of what hell would be like, and that was just our interpretation, okay? So at the end of it, I mean, you got people crying, grown men crying, you got kids running out of the, in the streets, I mean, just crazy thing, well put together. But there was this door at the end of it. You've got heaven and you've got hell. And then there was this guy in the middle. And the only way that you could get through the heaven door is if you listened to him long enough and, and, and received Christ and, for, and the forgiveness of your sins. That got you through the heaven door. But if you just wanted to get out and bounce, as pastor calls it, then you're going through the hell door and you're just getting out. Right? That's what it was like. But that's not God's judgment. That's, that's an erroneous view of the biblical God that we serve and the judgment of God. And so we're thankful for that. But just listen, there's, there's no, there is no general judgment when we look at what's next. There's no general judgment with God. We're not all going to go and see the same judgment. There are different judgments that are going to happen. The Bible talks about four of them. There are two that apply to us today, and I'm going to give you those two, and we'll go deeper on Wednesday night. God's judgment happens at one of two thrones. They're completely different. How do I know that? Because the Bible chronologically gives them to us at two different times. There's a resurrection that happens when the rapture takes place. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are still alive will be caught up with them, after them, with the Lord in the clouds and be with them forever. That's the, first, that's the second resurrection. The first one was Jesus. The third resurrection happens at the end of the tribulation when the, when the Old Testament saints are resurrected. The fourth resurrection happens when those that reject Christ right now, they're raised to the great white throne judgment. So there's two judgments here. The great white throne judgment, that's the one you don't want to be at. Can I get a witness to say amen? amen. You don't want to be at the great white throne judgment. There's no jury, there's just a judge, and it's Jesus. That's it. Well, what makes him qualified to judge? The cross. And then there's the judgment seat of Christ. You do want to be at this one. We're going to talk about that this morning. John 5, 29 says this. And they, well, who are they? All people. And they will rise again. Those who have done good, meaning they've accepted Christ, will rise to experience eternal life. And those who have continued in evil, rejecting Christ, will rise to experience judgment. You know what this tells us, everybody? That you can be judged right now, or you can be judged later. 
because we all must appear. We're all going to rise at some point. Some of us won't experience death. I'm believing that that's, that's me. I'm believing that that's a one-generation event, the end times, and that we're in that generation. I got all kind of scriptures to back it up, but you got to come Wednesday nights and get all that stuff. Listen last week. So you can be judged now for your sins and escape the great white throne judgment where there's no jury. It's already sentenced. We're just carrying out the sentence at that point. Or you can be judged now by accepting Christ, receiving his love and forgiveness from the cross to you right now and escape all of that. The judgment seat the Bible calls us, or the Bible calls it, the judgment seat of Christ is called the resurrection unto life. Man, I love that. The Bible also calls the great white throne judgment the resurrection unto death. Which one do you want to go to? They're not the same. The judgment seat of Christ, again, is where believers only, born-again Christians only, saved people go right after the rapture. So what happens next? We go to the judgment seat of Christ. And what Pastor talked about last week is completely right. There's a, there's a wedding feast. It's an incredible feast. We're going to get to in, we're gonna have new bodies because we can't be in the heavenly, in, in the heavenly places. We can't be in, in the presence of Christ in that way in these bodies. I said last Wednesday, have you ever been in praise and worship? And man, it's just so good. And you feel weak in the knees. And you got this fire in your gut. You know God's presence is here. You're seeing healings happen. You're seeing people accept Christ and they're saved. Well, man, sometimes I just can't even stand up. It's so heavy. And I just want to fall to my knees. Can you imagine where you're right there with Christ? You got to have a new body. Because if you don't, you're not going to withstand his presence. And we get to eat as many Twinkies as we want. This feast is going to be amazing. I'm going to go off topic. There's two feasts in the Bible. And you, again, like the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne, you have the wedding feast of the Lamb, and you have a different one. During the tribulation, at the end of it, there's a feast where God calls all of the ravens and all the vultures. And he calls them to a feast at the Battle of Armageddon where God comes with his saints, us, and with the breath of his mouth, he wipes out the Antichrist. We get to watch in our dress white. And when he does that, he calls the vultures, because somebody's got to clean up this mess. And they get to feast. So that tells me that I either get to be at the dinner, or I get to be the dinner. I get to go to the judgment seat of Christ, or I go to the great white throne. It's simple. So, 2 Corinthians 5.10, once more, this is out of the New Living Translation. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. This judgment is where believers have their works judged and rewarded. That's what's happening next. The judgment seat of Christ, again, is not to determine salvation. I don't know if you knew that or not. 
But the judgment seat of Christ is not to determine salvation or whether you've done enough to get into heaven. That's already determined before you get there when you put your faith in Jesus or if you reject Jesus. So think of it this way. If you're at the judgment seat of Christ, it's because you've either died knowing Christ and you're absent from the body immediately present with the Lord, or we get to see him come on the clouds. Boom, we're with him. So if you're at the judgment seat, you already know him. The difference with the great white throne, again, this is only for unbelievers. If you reject Christ right now, you're going to go to that throne judgment. I don't want you to go there. And I'm, and I'm saying this with such an urgency that we all need to have this morning because the Word of God tells us that the return of Christ is imminent. If you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, the Bible tells us that it's imminent. And when I say imminent, in the Greek it means poised and ready to act or hovering over something. Imagine this, Christ Jesus the groom. Anybody married in here? I remember when I got married 25 years ago to this beautiful lady, and I remember being, it was the day, man. It was the day. First of all, I couldn't stop from crying. I couldn't even say my vows. I was so excited to be with her. But it was the day. There was such anticipation. And I remember, and all of you will right now, especially you groomsmen, man, you got the, you got the bride today. You know what's going to happen next. And listen, you're, ready. you're like, man, all I'm waiting for is the bell. All I'm waiting for is the, is the moment that I get to go down that aisle and slip that ring on my bride. All I'm waiting for is the moment that I get the release to go. And you know what I see the Lord doing right now? Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. Can I go get her yet? The Bible says that it's imminent. There's nothing else that has to happen prophetically. Everything has been fulfilled for the rapture to take place right now. You say, Pastor, doesn't everybody have to hear about the gospel first before Jesus comes back? Yes, but I'm not talking about the second coming of Jesus. I'm talking about the rapture. All the signs and all the things that you see in the scriptures are all talking about the second coming. There's, the rapture is a signless event. So when I talk about the great white throne judgment and there's a sense of urgency about me, get that on you as well. Open your mouth and say something to the person next to you to the person in your family. But pastor, I've done it for 10 years. Do it for 11. Keep going. Keep knocking. Keep asking. Because I don't want to see them go to the great white throne judgment where they've, re they've rejected Christ. There's no rewards at that judgment. You're good in evil deeds. Nothing matters at that place. You're just getting your sentence carried out. That wasn't designed for you, but designed for Satan and his fallen angels. Satan's just mad, and he wants to take as many of you with him as he possibly can. Don't let him. I stand here and laugh this morning as I'm worshiping because I'm like, yeah, Satan, you tried, but there, I, no, <laughs> no way. I know. Listen, even pastor looked at me. We, he came to our new house yesterday, and he said, hey, listen, he saw all that we were going through, and he said, hey, I can, listen, I'll preach this morning, and you know what? This, the pastor, the pastor that you see is the pastor that he is. He is a genuine, authentic man of God, period. I believe that that man would have changed his flight plans 
to stay and preach this morning because we were just going through it. And I just looked at him. I said, no, nah, we don't give up that easy. It's a battle. So the great white throne is to determine the degrees of punishment in hell. I don't, we don't want to have to have people see that, right? So this judgment is, is not to determine salvation either. Either judgment that you're at, everybody, listen this morning, either judgment that you, that you attend, salvation is already determined. You don't get to make a choice beyond this moment. And if I tell you that it's imminent, this might be the last moment that you have. I'm just telling you what God's word says. My opinion is nowhere here. If it is, I'll tell you. So we all have to stand there. I agree, sweetheart. She just spoke in tongues and said, receive Jesus. And I'm probably getting it wrong. It might be a he. But from this distance, I need my glasses. So, so I love you. I'm sorry. So let's talk about this for a second. Let's talk about what is the nature of the judgment seat of Christ. That's what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. Dr. Lehman Strauss points out that the judgment seat, and in the Greek or the New King James Version of the Bible, you read the word bema, B-E-M-A. That's another name for the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to explain that, the bema seat. It's a place of reward, not punishment. He writes in his book called God's Plan for the Future, he says, picture this. In the large Olympic arenas, there was an elevated seat on which the judge of the contest sat. After the contests were over, the successful competitors would assemble before the Bema to receive their rewards or crowns. The Bema was not a judicial bench where someone was condemned. It was a reward seat. Likewise, the judgment seat of Christ is not a judicial bench. The Christian life is a race, and the divine umpire is watching every contest. After the church has run her course, he will gather every member before the Bema for the purpose of examining each one and giving the proper reward to each. The Apostle Paul writes this when he talks about sports. I don't know if you realize this. The Apostle Paul loves sports. He talks about sports all throughout the Bible. He uses wrestling often. He uses boxing often. He uses racing often, and he does so in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 here. He says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. In other words, if you got something going on in your life, confess it, get rid of it, allow God to heal you from it because he wants to do so. Why? Because we have to have a sense of urgency about us that we have to realize that your neighbor is watching how you live. And if you want to live like a jack wagon and not show the love of Christ, and you're going to show that it's just, you know, a highway to hell, everything. I'm going to go to church on Sunday. It's going to be okay. But then the rest of the week, I'm going to live this way. Nobody's going to follow that. The world is waiting and watching right now for the sons and daughters to manifest the kingdom right now. It is normal that we see in gatherings like this that we meet more and more often that miracles take place. Signs and wonders take place. And somebody got healed today? Well, okay. It's not, oh my gosh, they got healed. Can you imagine? Can you believe? No. Now's the time where somebody gets healed, and it's like, give glory to God. Just, it's normal. 
when we, take, when we put on the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness to cast away, it's normal that we're healed physically, emotionally, spiritually. It's normal that limbs grow back. All of that stuff is done. We should be seeing that. If we're not, we've got to look in the mirror. We've got to take inventory. Let us lay aside all of these things, these weights and these sins, which cling so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So now you know the judgment seat of Christ is a place of reward and not punishment. That's what happens next after the rapture. And only Christians will stand there. This throne judgment is only for Christians. We'll give you an opportunity to make sure that you understand that you're going to see that judgment here in just a minute. So let's first talk about what the purpose is for the judgment seat of Christ. But before I do that, let's talk about what it's not real quick. Again, it's not to determine whether you as an individual are entering heaven or not. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, listen. We're going to learn something real quick. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Stop. Pause to let the Holy Spirit marinate that for just a second. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation, everybody underline this, highlight this, do whatever you want to do. Mark up your Bible. Mark up my Bible, Pastor. Yeah, mark up your Bible, because a messed up Bible, and a, it means a put-together life. If you never write anything, you never underline anything, you never circle anything, I'm not sure what you're doing. Get you another Bible that you can do that with then. Salvation, everybody, say it with me, is not a reward. It is not a reward for the good things we have done. Hold on. I just said that the judgment seat is to reward you for the good things you have done. Salvation is not a reward for the good things I have done, so none of us can boast about it. We just read that. So salvation is not a reward. Therefore, it can't be given out at the judgment seat of Christ. The scriptures are very clear that no child of God, meaning that you're saved, will have to answer for her, his or her sins after this life. Look at this. I want you to get excited. Micah 7.19 says this. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. Man, that's something to get excited about this morning. If you're a Christian this morning, what you did yesterday is gone, trampled in the depths of the ocean. God's not going to have you at the judgment seat of Christ and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to uh, bring that back up again. It was from a couple of years ago. You remember when you did this thing? That's not our God. That's not what he's about. That's not what he's going to do. 1 John 1, 9, we know this, but if we confess, well, hey, I, th this, is, this is your assignment. There's something you have to do. This isn't just automatic that your sins are thrown away. You have a job to do. What is it? Confess. Don't be afraid. What is it? Confess our sins to him. He is faithful and just. Well, wait, why is he faithful and just? He's faithful because he's God. We're just going to have to take my word on that. He's faithful because he never fails. 
He's faithful because he never leaves me and he never forsakes me. He's faithful because even at 11.59, he shows up. Amen? He's faithful because suddenly something's taken care of. He's faithful because my son's still here this morning. He's faithful because suddenly God gave us a new place to live when we needed it. He's faithful. I could go on all day long, and so should you, right? He's faithful, and he's just. What does that mean? He's just. He has the right to forgive you of your sin. He has the right to put you in front of the reward seat because of the blood of Christ, because of the cross. That, what, that's what makes him just. That's what gives him the authority to do it. He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I love this next one, Psalm 103, 10 through 12. He does not punish us for all our sins. Yes, Lord. I'm excited about that one, man. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. I just told you that we're going to get rewards that we deserve, but he just said, we really deserve punishment. Not only am I, it's not just good enough I'm going to get heaven, I'm going to get rewards for what I do as a Christian here. Oh my goodness. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from the, as the east is from the west. My goodness, I love that. So what then is the purpose of the judgment seat of Christ. This judgment is, again, a believer's judgment. I told you I was going to repeat some stuff. I, you got to get this this morning. I'm going to repeat them because I want them to sink in. The judgment is a believer's judgment where Jesus assesses your earthly works. That means they're yours, not your dad's. They're yours, not your mom's. They're yours, not your pastor's. They're yours, not your kids. They are yours as you stand before him individually before Christ. All of your earthly works to determine your reward. Your reward for your faithfulness. The clearest passage in the New Testament on Christ's judgment for believers is this. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. Anybody getting this this morning? For no one... No one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. There's no other name by which man can be saved. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you feel. Got a little bit of the rock in me this morning. It doesn't matter what you think. It matters what God's word says. And there's no other foundation that you can lay apart from Jesus Christ who's already laid. Anyone who builds on that foundation, Jesus, may use a variety of materials. In other words, whatever God has given you in this life, use them for the glory of God. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, that's the, ju the, the judgment seat of Christ, not the great white throne. On judgment day, what happens next? The rapture. What happens after that? the judgment seat of Christ, and the wedding feast. On that day, fire will reveal what God, or fire will, will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. Fire. What are you talking about? Come Wednesday, I'll tell you more. 
But fire, when you see fire, there's two things in, scriptures that it indica- in Scripture that it indicates. Number one, God's presence. When you see fire in Scripture, it indicates God's presence. Number two, his purification. His purification. Fire, the purifying fire, will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. Think about this, how much you've done for the Lord in your life. Think about the good things you've done for Christ in your life. It's going to take a long time to give out these rewards. You might, some of us might be there for an hour or two. That's incredible. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. You know what that looks like to me? The builder will suffer great loss. I see the reward. But if I had just done what God told me to do, I'd get the reward. There's a great loss there. Because I could have had it if I would have just obeyed what he said. The builder will be saved but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Jesus is going to evaluate what you've constructed in your life. Here's the criteria with that fire. Were your works or deeds done in the name of Jesus for the, listen, building up of the local church or building up of your comfort and empire? If they were built on the foundation according to the word of God here, they'll survive this fire judgment. If not, they'll be burned up like wood, hay, and stubble according to what this verse says. You'll lose the rewards you could have had for the good work because you did the work or the deed for the benefit of advancing yourself. Think about this for a second. And I just saw the clock. It's 10.15. I almost have to go, and I'm halfway through. Just come Wednesday. Listen. If I preach this message and I do it so that I can be up on this here fancy platform and you can look at my fancy little outfit and I I might be able to preach somewhere else again and I might get paid and I might get this and I might get that, guess what? My reward's not going to survive. But if I come up here with the true heart that God has given me and I say, With everything in me, I'm begging you, choose the judgment seat of Christ. Be a part of what happens next. Be a part of that. And I do it with an attitude and a a drive and a mindset and a heart that is really about making sure that you know the word of God and that you can apply it today and that you can be saved today and you can go to sleep tonight assured that if Christ comes back, I'm going with him and all is well and I'm going to be I'm going to be at the judgment seat, and I'm going to have rewards. Then I get my reward. So here's the question. What are you doing in the body of Christ right now? Are you doing what you do every day with everything he's given you, the gold, the silver, everything he's given you? Are you doing it to build up the local church, or are you doing it to further yourself? What are you doing with the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you? Well, I don't have any gifts, Pastor. Yeah, the Bible says you have at least one, and there's 18 of them. Some of, us, some of us have multiple. And what are you doing with them? Are you not using them? 
it's going to be burned up. What are you doing? Well, pastor, I'd just like to just be a janitor in the house of the Lord. So if I can just get in, I mean, I'll be good. No, stop living that way. If he wants to give you rewards, that means they're there right now in the basket, the crowns. That means the, the rewards are here. He wants to get in there and he wants to give them to you. Let him. Let him. I'm going to give you one commercial and we're done. Worship team, get ready, do your thing. Because we got to bounce. Love you, Pastor. We're going to discover on Wednesday what areas of our lives are going to be tested. But I want you to hear this. I'm going to give you one of them. You get a little bit of a taste of it. If you went to, if you went to school and the professor looked at you and said, on pages 110 through 120, we're going to have a test at the end of the course on those pages. What are you going to do? You're going to study them, right? Guess what? The Word of God gives us everything we need to know about what is going to be tested in this life and how we're going to be rewarded and what things are going to be judged. I'm giving them to you on Wednesday. The good news is if you're still in this body, you can fix whatever's broken. The good news is if you're in this body, you can still get the rewards, change your heart, change your motives, change where you're putting your money. I'm not asking you for money. Grace Life Church isn't asking you for all your money. We're just trying to tell you, God wants you to live the abundant life, not paycheck to paycheck. So if you just invest a little bit of what God has given you in the gold and the silver and all those things, you're going to get a reward right now, I promise you. We can talk about that all day long. But there's an even better reward at the judgment seat of Christ. But if all you do is just do this and hold it and put it in every pocket that you have and have saddlebags full of money walking around and you do nothing with it, you're not going to get a reward. Here's the first one. This, let's talk about what areas are going to be tested in our, in our lives on, Tuesday, or on, on Wednesday, but here's the first one. You ready? This is going to be tested at the judgment seat by fire. How we treat other believers. How we treat other believers. You want to know a sickening truth, honestly? In a room this big, somebody's sitting here today and you have refused to serve the church ever again. Somebody's sitting here today and you have a great gift. You have great things that, that the church needs right now because we're going to the next level. Pastor Buck said the Holy Spirit has, has, has shown him clearly we're cleared for the next level. That means we all have to get involved. That means we all have to get some things going in our life to be a part of this. And so the sickening truth is this. A lot of people have been hurt by church. And so you don't want to do anything else. You don't want to get involved anymore. So I'm not going to do that anymore, Pastor. I'm not going to put myself in that position. I'm asking you, please, do it anyway. And if you've got to talk about something, my office is open. We can talk about it. But look at Matthew 10, 41 40 to 42 as we close. Anyone who receives you receives me. Oh, my goodness. So let me remind you of what Jesus is saying right here. Receiving, that means accepting and welcoming. Accepting and welcoming. A brother or sister is the same as receiving or rejecting Jesus. Jesus says, anyone who receives you receives me. Anyone 
who receives me receives the Father who sent me. If you receive a prophet, listen, this is so cool. If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, listen, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. Just because you welcome him. Just because you give him a place to stay. Just because you give him a, a meal to eat. Just because you give him a hundred bucks because God said do so. Write it out of your hands and get a blessing. Because God says if you do that, you receive me just the same. And if you do that, what that prophet is about to do and about to say to the church and about to do in that neighborhood, in that city, whatever reward he gets because it's a big one, you're going to get it too because you helped him be able to do it. And if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. <laughs> Pastor, I've done some of that. I should be getting something back, right? Listen, let me give you some encouragement as we end. Hebrews 6.10 says this, For God is not unjust. He will never forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. God never forgets any of the love that you show toward him. So how you treat your fellow believers is going to be part of the judgment seat of Christ. Everybody stand to your feet. Thank you, Lord. So your works and your deeds cannot justify you. Only the blood of Christ does that. Only your acceptance of Jesus gets you to the judgment seat of Christ and gets you these rewards that you're going to get to share with each other for all eternity. We'll talk about heaven think next week it's going to be really cool the bible describes heaven a lot but this merciful god that we love and that we serve he's still the holy judge and the judgment seat of christ he will bring the light to what every believer has done again this is not to judge you as a believer as a believer you stand justified if you have accepted christ the judgment is of the deed and not the doer. It determines the size and the extent of the reward based on the good things you've done as a believer. So with every head bowed in this moment, this is a holy moment right now, the Holy Spirit has laid down an invitation to the wedding feast that Pastor Buck talked about last week right now. It is in front of you. It has your name on it. A very simple thing is this open it. Open it and see your forgiveness. Open it and see your restoration. Open it and see your name on a heavenly invitation to the banquet of the king. They're going to dust off your seat. The angels are going to make sure that your cup is filled. And the Bible says that Jesus himself puts on an apron and serves you. Because that's what the bridegroom 
does for his bride. He serves her. And in this moment, listen, if you reject Jesus in this life, you'll see a different judgment than that that you must avoid at all costs. The great white throne judgment is no joke. There will be no defense. You've done some good things in this life, but they don't mean anything without the foundation of them being Jesus Christ. Start making good things happen today. Start making good things today count for eternity. Make Jesus your Lord and your Savior today. You've done a lot of good, but right now is the time to make them count. Say, Pastor, I want to make sure I'm going to that judgment. I want to make sure that if the rapture happens right now before you say amen, that I'm going with the rest of my brothers and sisters right here. Not because I'm scared, but because the love of God is filling me right now. And I've opened the invitation. I saw that it's personal. I saw my name on it. How is that possible? Don't ask why. Just have faith and accept it. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, between him, you, and me right now, I want you to shoot your hand up at this moment. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, shoot your hand up high at this moment. You want to receive him right now. You want to receive him right now. I'm not going to wait long. Let's all pray together. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I thank you for my place in heaven. And I thank you that my name is on the invitation. Thank you that the judgment seat is for me. Help me to praise you and worship you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.